0: Hi, listeners. It's podcast time. Daryl and Ivy are back. Not-so-giant women. Guess what we're doing? It's time to dive into Sworn to the Sword. Yeah, it was
1: the title <laughs> made me, makes me immediately recall Stephen the Swordfighter, but yes. I was about to wonder, is Stephen going to get sworn to the sword? But, of course, he didn't actually really actually get any sword fighting done in that, except for screwing around for mop.
0: Exactly, and that was not exactly a pointy object. That might
1: have put him off the idea. Yeah. So Connie's got a sword.
0: Yeah, now that we've seen that extended opening thing, she's running around with Rose's sword.
1: Just slung over her shoulder because, you know, safety.
0: Yeah, (laughs) better not let her mom see that.
1: Oh yeah, (sighs) so you could say it was that huge sword on top of her, she hits herself under the knife.
0: Oh, no. I was not expecting puns this early in the episode <laughs> before well, we
1: started. Well, let's see if they bring any to us.
0: Yeah. All right. We
1: are the Crystal Gems. will always be. New title sequence. I figure there's a fake
0: ass. Yes. I'm excited. I can't wait for the midair and underwater dueling exercises. It's going to be boodles of fun. If I could. many feels this week. Oh. Goodness, that is a whammy.
1: Yeah, well, we open on Stephen and Connie singing and playing their instruments about jam up on the clothesline <laughs> <line> And <laughs> I actually thought they were saying jam, not jam at first, but no, they are talking jam, conserve, squished up fruit.
0: Yeah, quite a
1: difference. Yeah, which did make all this people talking about putting fruits in jams is a bit confusing until I worked out what's going on (laughs) anyway as they get down to eating there looks like scones and jam some seagulls come along and try to take it from them but Connie wards them off with the bow from her violin and a bit sword-like so Stephen has an idea and asks Pearl to train Connie in the art of sword fighting which once Pearl's buttons have been correctly pushed she is incredibly flattered and takes them to the Sky Arena, which is where the training in Stephen the Swordfighter took place. And in fact, just like back then, we have a hollow pearl, Though so its lethality seems to have been turned down a bit at least. <laughs> Connie wants to be able to fight alongside Stephen, and we get a musical number, which has the theme of do it for him or do it for her because Pearl keeps flashing back to her antics with Rose back in their battles and as training gets more and more intense Connie becomes more skilled but also Pearl starts telling her that she's nothing and Stephen is the only one that matters because she's protecting him well she says he's his lee li- she's his liege hang on she says he's her liege and over the enthusiasm for getting Connie the knight to defend Stephen the liege she sort of says that Connie should pretty much be prepared to give herself up entirely for the very thought of Stephen and it's all very demeaning or so Stephen thinks and he's not wrong on this one a quick conversation with Garnet and Amethyst in which apparently Garnet has told some joke we'll never get to hear and Stephen realises how far things have got what pads back to the Sky Arena, and finds himself in the middle of a very intense training simulation session with mists and fogs and hollow pearls and everything. He convinces Connie that this should be about fighting together, not her throwing away his life for him, and demonstrates this by beating back first some hollow pearls and then the actual pearl by combining his shield and bubble with Connie's sword skills. Pearl is entirely projecting her experiences of giving her all or wanting to give her all for Rose in the battles till she eventually, in her arguing of Stephen and Connie, says, why won't you let me do this for you, Rose? And everyone goes quiet for a bit. And as Pearl goes for a little sit-down, Stephen asks, is that why you keep saying these things to Connie because Rose made you feel like you were nothing? And Pearl responds that Rose made her feel like she was everything. Pearl realises what she's been doing and realizes that the two can fight together and they will make great co knights and then start streaming up all kinds of training scenarios for them as we start out to credits. Nice summary. Yeah, well, the opening must have been great for you.
0: Song and food all at once. Exactly. We had two songs and multiple foods yeah. I got to get busy on this. Oh, yeah. But
1: moreover, we saw some of Pearl's issues coming back to the surface.
0: Yeah. This is definitely a Pearl is not well episode.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh. And I mean, one of the key projection things is that she wants to give her all for Rose. She wants to do it for Rose. She wants to do it for her, as she says it in the song. But of course, there is no Rose now. So she's projecting right. herself onto Connie and Rose onto Stephen. And it's not entirely a healthy way to treat Connie made all the worse by Connie kind of entirely buying into it, whether that's enthusiasm or if she's starting to believe it, or if she just figures Pearl's the teacher. So she's right. We can't be sure. Maybe all of them.
0: I feel like there's probably also a healthy dose of like Connie has read probably a lot of fantasy where there are loyal protectors and people like that who she's modeling herself after.
1: Oh yeah, she's probably caught up in the, maybe not, maybe well yeah, in kind of the dream of a pitched battle in which she defends her lead, Stephen. But Stephen is right, they're all warriors this time.
0: Yeah, and initially when Connie said that she was interested in doing this and inspired Pearl with her speech about how she wants to help and she doesn't want to stand by, She did that with the idea that they would be partners, not that she would be first in the line of fire the way Pearl cast herself as the protector of Rose Quartz. Uh, We could kind of see it coming that
1: Pearl was going to snap and have that, why would not you let me do this for you, Rose, outburst.
0: Yeah, it's really sad to think that they must have had that conversation and that Rose must have had a similar response to Stephen saying, I'm not too important to be here, I will not stand by mm-hmm. and just watch mm-hmm. you kill yourself for me
1: yeah or maybe given the energy behind pearl's outburst maybe they hadn't had that conversation pearl had been wishing ever since that they did
0: that's definitely a possibility that this has been brewing i kind of felt like it w- it was almost flashbacky and reenactment e versus something that she'd been holding back but it definitely could have been either one because it's hard to know what their relationship was really like. If she respected her that much, that she was self-sacrificial in her, you know, her attempts to protect her, if you that she would this, yell at her like that too. <laughs> if you watch this episode
1: about knowing the backstory properly, you could also be led into thinking that all these battles and wars and stuff was where Rose died. Mm-hmm. That Pearl somehow felt responsible. That's not the case because as far as we can tell, Pearl's as far as responsible as one can be for Rose's eventual death. But
0: yeah, it's true.
1: She could still be, I mean, if she's kind of traumatized and freaking out, she could still be looking to what she sees as a failure all that time ago. And just Rose is no longer here. So even if she's not thinking one's a consequence of the other, they're messing together in her head, especially because if Rose no longer here, she can no longer address that failure with her. Even if there wasn't a failure, and I imagine Rose would have been the first to say there wasn't, but Pearl can get quite highly strong when it comes to this sort of thing, especially, in fact, mostly when Rose Quartz is concerned.
0: Uh, Yeah, and her personal experience with it kind of aside, I think that going into the mindset that it requires to try to train Connie to be what she was, even though that's not healthy for anyone and certainly not for somebody who has one life, who's a squishy organic girl who will not come back if she gets stabbed. I guess, I mean, unless least, unless Steven licks her, but we won't go there.
1: But I don't know if that works. I also don't want to see the episode of Steven Universe where he licks his best friend Corks to find out if she don't come back to life.
0: Yeah, exactly. But although, yeah, that was interesting that when she had her hand, she looks at her hand and it's all messed up and Pearl pulls out a bandage rather than let's just go to our healer who's sitting there and see if it works if he spits on it. Yeah, because
1: we've already moved into let's keep Stephen as far away from the battle as possible, which of course Stephen, for once, is the one aware that's been the opposite of what they've been doing for a lot of this. Granted, they do send him away for safety at the last big moment, but in this case it's almost as if they've just disqualified any combat or coping ability Stephen has. I think it's not unfair to say that when they sent him away last time it was in a possibly misjudged, but not unreasonable thought that what was coming was more than what he could handle. Whereas this seems to almost reduce him to not being able to handle anything.
0: Yeah. It could have been partially based on the fact that he got a little triggered there when he saw the hollow pearl and he immediately made a bubble and he's just like, oh, wow. You know, he's remembering his trauma.
1: It's played a bit for laughs that he's like, oh, I remember what happened last time this one turned up.
0: Right. And then, you know, when... He said it was reflex. And then he's like, you be careful and I will go over here. So he kind of like initially removed himself from the situation. But then after that, he didn't like insist on including himself. It was, you know, initially the idea was let Connie get sword fighting lessons because she seemed interested. But and Steven's the shield. Yeah,
1: at first, there's just no need for him to butt in. It's, he doesn't need to be in the actual training, but... This isn't the same as him being excluded from any battle Connie might be in, because as she yeah. said, she wants to be there by his side. And well, the likelihood is if she's in a big battle, it's probably going to be down to Stephen's
0: involvement. Yeah. Yeah. And it certainly can't hurt for her to know how to fight better. So,
1: particularly, she seems to, I think Stephen's right, that she has a bit of native skill in this area to build on.
0: Yeah, if you go all the way back to Lion 2, she was helping him aim that sword. And uh, her tennis skills.
1: Yeah, so not the same skill set, but shows that she's, well, good at doing stuff with something in her hand of approximately that length. <laughs> sure.
0: Yeah, definitely not unprecedented.
1: Yeah, she's young. That's a skill you can build on. Oh, sure. But you're right. When we saw that sort of, I suppose, illustration from Garnet and Amethyst, well, I suppose, really, Garnet, of Pearl charging into battle, getting poofed, charging into battle and getting poofed over and over. And that's where you sort of go, well, yeah, Pearl can do that. Connie can do that once. Yeah. <laughs> particularly, Exactly. Particularly if Connie is determined not to have someone by her side, and particularly if the person she is not having by her side is someone with powers that protect people.
0: Yeah. Plus, just emotionally, he doesn't want a servant. He doesn't want... He doesn't even really want the knight exactly because that confers some kind of status upon him. And he just wants to be jam buds. He wants to be the strawberry and the biscuit,
1: you know? Well, that was a nice bit of throwing that, of course, Pearl wasn't there for the whole jam conversation. So even in yeah. the middle of her totally freaking out when I say, where jam buds? She's like, what?
0: Yeah, with a little like question mark face. She's like, wow. <laughs> she has some good wow moments. Yeah, I think at the
1: start, he was like, okay, night fighter, whatever, leash. I don't actually know what that means, so I'll just go over here. Yeah, and yeah
0: they're kidding around.
1: Yeah, as time goes on, and when Connie arrives, she's sort of, well, you see her go from sort of chatting a bit to Stephen, then going off to the arena to, hi, hey, Stephen, gotta go, by.
0: Yeah, I mean, her teacher expects punctuality, and she's like, yes, ma'am. And that's very sort of, that that reflex to obey people that she respects in authority is already also established with the way she calls her mother ma'am and has very strict upbringing. She's kind of used to it.
1: Oh yeah, she was definitely her mother's daughter in that regard.
0: Yeah, it seems like they really laid the groundwork very well for her to respond to that as if it's an expression of love and trust rather than this is a teacher who's being really mean to me and I'm going to quit. Mm. You know, she was like responding like somebody who her, you know, her own family is full of tough love like that. Yeah,
1: I suppose in some ways, in a far more benign sense, up until now, her friendship with Stephen has had a bit of, he looks up to her aspect mostly due to her simply being a more decisive personality and more experienced in the quote unquote real world but it's more a matter of mutual. it's more it's a more mutual thing he does not actually see her as an authority and she has no desire to be one there so I'm saying you, you can look up you can look up to someone in a milder more benign way and you can guide someone through the real world or get them back on track because you're trying to talk about a book and they've seen a shiny thing without it being so destructively negative as it starts to become with Connie and Pearl.
0: Exactly. And yeah, neither Connie nor Steven is an adult and they both see things in each other that they admire. Mm. Yeah, they definitely don't have a student or like a student teacher kind of vibe to them at all. But you definitely (laughs) get this feeling like, okay, Connie is the practical one and she can sometimes give him a reality check. but his yeah
1: <laughs> yeah, so it's a much milder and nicer version of what she experiences from others well from right. others brackets her mum yeah and I,
0: I, yeah, yeah i
1: don't have I don't have a problem with that because I think you can have that sort of just looking up at being and it being mutually beneficial especially because Stephen has things mm. he brings and she never tells him what to do or at least she never orders him what to do occasionally she tells him what to do to bring him down to earth, but yeah if nothing else it comes from She's also just the more sensible one.
0: Yeah, definitely. Practical person. Which I
1: means she and Pearl were, <laughs> they've got similar aspects. Unfortunately, they locked onto each other in a bad way this week.
0: Yeah, yeah, I definitely wanted to talk about that a little bit, that you could definitely see the two of them matching in a lot of ways. And I wonder if this just occurred to me that I wonder if that was part of the reason that they were both shown playing violin.
1: Uh, that's subtle, but it works.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's not like there couldn't have been plenty of other instruments that they could both have, but like it's, there's more than a few things they have in common. And it's definitely a, like a personality match where both of them respect structure and order. So, but yeah, then that can also be exploited or be turned in the wrong direction, like what happened with Pearl today. And, um, she, I don't know, I felt like watching this, I just don't want her to be in charge of small children sometimes. I'm just like, you don't really understand how squishy and vulnerable these babies are. Mm. And you're trying to turn one into a loyal <laughs> killing machine, you know? Yeah, she's stabbing robots, but, you know. Yeah.
1: Well, the, the original plan is sound. There's probably going to be a battle. Connie is showing promise in being a sword fighter. Pearl can teach Sword fighting, she's tried to do so before, mm-hmm. although she got five minutes into a lesson and got stabbed, so she's not yeah. got a great track record. Yeah. I don't want to see her Yelp review for that.
0: No. No. At least these ones didn't kill anyone this time, any of these holly, hollow pearls. She made a whole bunch of them. Yeah. It, yeah, and
1: I think it was very much just the coming together of all the right-slash-wrong elements that made this the problem It was if Pearl didn't have a hang up about Rose, if Rose hadn't been Stephen's mum, if the art hadn't been exactly the thing Pearl was channeling her hang up about Stephen's mum through, Mm
0: -hmm. and of
1: course the personalities you've already covered, it just created a perfect storm to overdo things and for Pearl to eventually freak out. I mean, because we know she's, in raw terms, we know she's been dying to teach someone something for ages. Oh, God, you're right. And Connie has experience of actually being a student. So, if all that other pieces hadn't been going on, this could have been perfect.
0: Yeah, it could be a very good relationship because I mean, a lot of people who take, you know, fighting classes and martial arts and gymnastics, even like they need a tough, no nonsense coach sometimes to really mm. push them and get them to attain their potential or whatever. But if your teacher is literally a self sacrificial, apparently pretty close to indestructible, pretty close to immortal space alien. She's probably not going to fully understand your needs and, you know, teach you all the wrong things that have built up over her long life that have made her neurotic. Yeah, if you shift the
1: goal from teach you to sword fight to basically teach you to die.
0: Yeah, and that it would not, you know, he's more important than you. You aren't anything. You're nothing. She literally told her to repeat that. And that's scary,
1: yeah. Especially because Stephen isn't one of those chosen one has a destiny figures, even though it's a little bit framed as such. There's no in story stuff that's saying, as a product of human and gem, Stephen will be the is foretold to unite our peoples. So, yeah. there's no dispassionate objective reason why he's more important, either. It's just Pearl's neuroses that have put him yeah. there and it's not even really putting him there it's putting rose there but she's gone so mm-hmm. you've got to move down one i don't think it's a, a gem esque. i think stephen is rose thing because i think she's completely aware unlike yeah. the jaspers and possibly parodots of the universe i just think that's i agree a personal projection issue and that he's the sun is compounding it
0: Yeah, I really think it was her frame of mind was in control and the wrong name came out of her mouth because it's a conversation that she's either had or wanted to have about the same thing.
1: Yeah, I think even if there was no gem connection between Stephen and Rose, but this still could have played out that way.
0: Yeah. I agree.
1: In some ways she's a bit wrong because you don't entirely want your soldiers to be prepared to die. You want them to, well, not so much not be prepared to die as you want to give them some survival instinct so they can keep fighting. Yeah. Because <laughs> if she dies defending Stephen, she's not around to defend Stephen anymore.
0: Yeah. And it's not like he's a king that has all these subjects that are clamoring to be in his army and have the honor of dying for him or whatever it's one person that he has a personal relationship with that he values way above what she can do for him on the battlefield
1: and yeah it moves from the are you prepared to give up your life to giving up your life is the actual object of the exercise and especially as has been pointed out there is only one of her and she only has one life so if we're talking about heated battles you're going to need more than just that if we're talking a full-on everyone on the battlefield thing. Yep. And exactly. one of the things that would help if you were fighting, if the person you were protecting is fighting by your side, not just being pedestaled.
0: Yeah. Well, I think it's very telling that as soon as Steven started describing what happened with Pearl trying to convince Connie to do dangerous stuff garnet immediately recognized the behavior and you know told a war story about how sacrificial pearl was and that she i mean and pearl is a very logical person most of the time and then she says she put her over logic over consequence over her own life and pearl putting something over logic and consequence it almost makes it seem like even if it accomplished nothing she would rather run onto someone's blade if rose was being threatened
1: yeah and rose is Very much the crack in her psychological armor. Yeah. The the kryptonite to her other thought processes.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's interesting that she has something like, like that she has a crack that big that keeps coming back and keeps interrupting her interactions with everybody else she knows. Yeah,
1: we don't know, and maybe we'll never know what Rose made of this. (coughs) Maybe Rose made it, it sounds like, from what little we did here, though, that Rose made of it kind of what Stephen made of it, of the just calm down, chill, I'm not all that.
0: Yeah, it does imply that she did not think herself worthy of just sitting on a throne and making her underlings fight for her. That, yeah. you know, despite Pearl thinking she's a knight for someone more important, who is on this impossibly high pedestal, Rose wanted to be on the battlefield too, and was frequently targeted probably for the reason that the same reason that jasper wanted to change the whole mission when he found out that rose quartz was on earth so she thought that you know she shows up on a battlefield and probably everyone wants to kill her
1: how much of a fighter she is in that huge meringue dress
0: right does she have like a different outfit i mean in the pictures she didn't in the projections she didn't what it is was interesting to suddenly get that flashback
1: what did that little hatches and little battle things come out of it in that dress <laughs>
0: I would love to see Rose in like a battle suit though. Be very interesting.
1: I can imagine her in some of those old timey armors, like some people put on artistic interpretations of people like Bodica and stuff.
0: Mm, or like in her cave that she had like a bunch of armor in there. I wonder if she ever wore any of it. Not yeah. sure if any of it would have fit her.
1: Yeah, she and there is that whole well, armor's clothing after all. Now we've got gems and clothing is always an interesting place to go. Yeah, I mean, this would be one point where it definitely makes sense to have separate garments if you're the idea is to protect you from harm. You wouldn't want just an extension of yourself, that would miss the point.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you're a gem and you're in battle, you should probably construct some kind of armor that covers up wherever your stone is. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But there's Rose Quartz walking around with a nice little star framing her belly button. Yeah, and
1: look, I don't know if anything could penetrate that meringue to get to her legs, but her shoulders and arms are completely uncovered too.
0: That's true. Yeah. She does not look dressed for battle, but you know, they're gems. Let me rewind my brain to the beginning of the episode to see what else I want to talk about because I want to talk about those seagulls. Oh, yes. (laughs) I think seagulls must be the ultimate villain of the show it's the, at least the third time they've battled seagulls what was what? it uh, we saw fribo when fribo flu we were attacking fribo and we saw it in monster buddies and now we've seen it in this one there's these asshole seagulls all the
1: time well anyone who's ever tried to eat on the beach knows exactly how evil they are so uh-huh
0: tell them we're not afraid of your kind oh
1: that i just lost it
0: yeah you were laughing <laughs>
1: <laughs> i just thought it was so hilariously over the top
0: yeah so much drama connie and jamie need to get together
1: yeah and punctuated with wielding the bow like a sword
0: yeah run back to your masters makes me think she's been reading some high fantasy again
1: oh yeah that was definitely contributing
0: yeah but i loved their little their little time sitting on this hand Had quite a focus on the hand and the laundry up there. At least this time they had clothespins, I noticed that. But I wonder how they got up there, though, because Connie was later kind of acting like she had never warped before when she got to warp to the ancient Sky Arena. And I would think that's how they get up there because it looks like there's a warp pad in that hand. But, like, how did they get up there otherwise? Right?
1: Uh, Unless they've both got really good balance, which is not something I would immediately volunteer to be so about Steven Universe.
0: Yeah. They could just get Amethyst to turn into dog copter and fly them up there. Ah,
1: there we go. Except that one.
0: We've seen her do that. Yeah, I just... I kind of would assume that they just used the warp pad because Steven could do that. But then, you know, Connie was definitely acting like this was the first time that she warped and she was getting really excited and giddy about finally about that whole experience.
1: Oh yeah. Warping makes Connie high. What's that about?
0: Yeah, she got really excited and she was like floating weirdly differently than Steven, which kind of makes you think back to when Stephen used to have that mm. issue. He would be sort of levitating in the stream in an uncomfortable way and he'd fall. Mm. And this time, it's not him, it's her. It takes some getting used to. It's pretty cool. Yeah.
1: It does leave the question about the
0: laundry hand. Yeah. Maybe we can just hand wave it. Bow. <laughs> oh. We didn't I... really get any puns, so, you know, we have to provide them. <laughs> but yeah, they, uh, they go to this. Yeah, what would you think of that uh, the design of the Sky Arena there. It's kind of a little better look at it than we had Yeah, I, we
1: didn't sort of see that foyer bit before. We just, right, kind, of the was, outside. We just kind of went straight there.
0: Yeah. But you know what? Like, I know that there's a significant portion of fans that believe that they're two different places that we haven't been here before, but... I think the issue is, and I forget where I read this or heard this, but they redesigned some of the backgrounds, they refined some of them and expanded some of them, and I'm pretty sure they just made some cosmetic changes and expansions to the original arena. It's not a different place, but there are some fans who think it's a different place. I don't know. Yeah, I
1: mean, I guess it's not confirmed either way, but it looks so much the same. They're going there for the same purpose. I guess we didn't see them warp there last time. They were just kind of there, so that's really not one way or the other.
0: Right, and we didn't see them come in the front or anything.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, it could be another place, but I'm just not sure why it would be.
0: Yeah, it doesn't seem like there would be more than one place that she would demonstrate sword stuff and that it would look very similar to another one. But I'm almost sure that in the second half of the first season or maybe later after that I don't know that there was some explicit refining of some of the backgrounds and some of the settings but I would have to look up where I saw that yeah but if you're going to start
1: worrying about those artistic aspects you would also I suppose need to come up with explanations as to you know why Stephen is short and with a protruding face sometimes and <laughs> slightly leaner with his with a smoother face some others it's true
0: Yeah but I think that the enough details I think are different between the one we saw in Steven the Swordfighter and the one we saw here that people concluded they were different places and I guess one was called a cloud arena and the other was she called it a ancient sky arena or something so people were kind of nitpicking on that but I mean it seems to me like they're the same place and I don't see a reason why they can't just kind of retcon a little an update and say this is what it looks like this is what it looks like now we just made it a little better
1: (laughs) that could just be like some people say football pitch and some people say football field
0: yeah there you go could be so yeah it looks like a pretty strange place it's somewhere in the clouds and it's broken looking weird
1: yeah they said battles had happened there so maybe it was the worst for wear because of it
0: That's true. And Pearl said something very interesting there. She said, that's this, it was here that I first became familiar with the human concept of being a knight. I think that's how she said it. And that to me made the timeline not make sense.
1: Yeah. I mean, you kind of have to bend things a bit, but it really has her finding out about knights long after this was something she could be. Because yeah, even the most creative interpretation of what does she mean by night, doesn't go back the thousands upon thousands. Well, maybe not thousands, one thousands, but the plural thousands of years, which is yeah. when it's supposed to be when all this ha- all this happened.
0: Right, mm-hmm. timeline wise, she's definitely referred to the war as being more than five thousand years ago.
1: Yeah, so I mean, you medieval could s-
0: knights were not around five thousand years ago.
1: Yeah. I mean, you could push that back as far as maybe like 8th century, but really the war and stuff would have been long over by what we've been told so far. We haven't been given the impression that the war on Earth at least lasted for thousands and thousands of years itself. Right. And even so, that would still mean she found out about the night thing quite late in the picture Mm -hmm. after she'd been Maybe she found out about knights later and thought, oh, that's what I've been doing. Earth has a word for it.
0: That's the only way that I can make it make sense, honestly, Terria, because that's almost exactly what I was thinking. It's such a weird way to say it too. It was here that I became familiar with the human concept of being a knight. It wasn't, I became a knight here. Like, why were you in this arena? Were you doing this with some other human? Or, I don't know, did you take one of Rose's boyfriends here and cut his head off? Like, what happened?
1: That uh, <laughs> there used to be a library there?
0: Right, right, right. So, I mean, the wording was a little weird, but I'm just thinking maybe there was some reason why. Maybe it had something to do with the statues that they had, like almost like these statues were there showing each, like champions or something, or stood for something. And maybe somebody recognized them and said, it was this a knight? She got an explanation. Uh, who knows? I mean, yeah, and some of that armor looked like suits of armor too so who knows
1: yeah they i mean (laughs) it's an it's a bit of what we touched on an episode or three back of interjecting your human concept of where it's not really necessary i think the need i think the cram in knights are a human thing which cruncles up the time scale is what does it if she just said something like i wanted to be the knight that defended your mother or something like that which is what she means then that would have been fine because we just go, okay, she's saying night, whether or not that's the gem word for it as well. We know what she means. Exactly.
0: Yeah. There's no reason gems couldn't have had nights.
1: Yeah. And the whole, we've had our running gag about gems speaking English, but (laughs) even if you don't like that idea, you can just say their equivalent
0: terms. Exactly. They're clearly big on loyalty and, I don't know, I could see them having a code of chivalry or whatever that's very similar.
1: Yeah, especially some, Especially someone like Rose compared to someone like Jasper, whose code yeah. is, I punch you.
0: <laughs> also, speaking of the timeline, you know, that Pearl kind of dropped some specifics, some vague specifics, when she said she was only a few thousand years old when she started fighting with Rose Quartz.
1: So, yeah, I guess given most interpretations of few, then she's, her age is looking at the eight thousands at least by now.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say, is if you, even if you conservatively estimate few as three, and then add the gem war to that, it's like, you're looking at eight thousand and then you don't know what she did before that, like, was she born and then, well, born is the wrong word, but you know, like, did she start doing that? Like, I don't know. Who knows? But she's old. Good Lord. Yeah. She's old as hell. Like just the whole concept, even the concept of a conscious being, being that old is scary. Yeah. Yeah, She lives in Stephen's house.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I can't remember if I've said it on the show before, but I have read, and ultimately this is speculation because as far as we know, it's never really happened, that any sapient being who lived that long would just have a completely incomprehensible outlook which, I mean, granted, sometimes you don't know what she's on about, but that's not incomprehensible. That's just her being her.
0: Right. <laughs> I mean,
1: of course, then you also get into the, yes, but we need to be able to relate to these characters on some levels. <laughs> All the people who speculate that are just plain wrong. Look, it's on TV. It must be true.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, that was a little bit of a lore drop there, I guess. We still don't know. And that was... Sort of played the laughs, too. Like, oh, I was only a few thousand years old. <laughs> and nobody says anything. No one's just like, how oh, friggin' old are you, lady? Uh, that Probably wouldn't answer. <laughs> yeah, and just, yeah,
1: she is one of the characters who, who, if you said that, you'd expect she pretty much meant it, that she wasn't just screwing around with people.
0: Oh, yeah. She is very literal most of the time.
1: Mm.
0: So let's see. I want to talk about Stevens supporting Connie, making her food and... Trying to then trying to read that book. You kind of chuckled a little, I think, when we were looking at him reading How to Talk to People. Think of what
1: you want to say. <laughs> say it.
0: Yeah, that was very cute. <laughs> he's struggling to figure out how to talk to her about what he's uncomfortable about with what she's doing. But yeah, he's trying to support her, making her healthy foods. And at first she's accepting them. And as it goes on longer, you see her like kind of put the food down and go back to training.
1: Yeah, and I think it takes a while for him to become aware how much he, the concept, has supplanted he, the person, in their training. Yep, yep, 100%. In some ways, by by the point that everything breaks, Connie's just bypassing Stephen offering her food because... She's off to fight for the idea of Stephen, which is becoming disconnected from the strange boy in the star shirt.
0: Yeah, the way she kind of says to him when she's justifying her self-sacrificial thinking, she says, like, I understand your legacy, your destiny, you know, and none of these are things that he even wants her to be considering in their friendship. So it's very disconnected from anything that they are actually sharing, which, you know, it's it's... book book ended very well with like an opening that focuses on how close their relationship has gotten. And then at the end, that's reaffirmed, you know, I like that. Mm. Yeah.
1: So at the end, they've got people just chilling sitting on incredibly high ledges again. And I just do not know how they can do that.
0: Yeah. That's a little scary. Maybe we just don't realize that there's a safety net about six feet down. Yeah. Somehow I think not not with lethal robots roaming around.
1: Yeah, well, at that height, it's got to be even dangerous for Pearl, surely.
0: Possibly. I would think so. Mm.
1: And it just looks like a sky arena and it's only like a couple meters up.
0: Mm. Yeah, that would be funny. (laughs) I think it is what it looks like.
1: Yeah, I think some of the shots pretty much show it's as high as it looks.
0: I wonder if the air is thinner there.
1: Oh, that can't be helping Connie's attitude.
0: No. Hmm. I wonder what Connie's mother thinks when she's coming home injured.
1: Maybe she's telling her she's having really hard training at tennis.
0: Yeah. I mean, do you think she, it seems like she must not know that she's doing this because she wouldn't approve it. Maybe she's but just, then She's coming often. so.
1: Maybe she's just been lucky enough that her mother's schedule hasn't allowed her to take a proper look hmm. in the however long that training took. It's true. I mean, because Connie must actually be a pretty good learner on top of everything else and Pearl a good teacher to actually get that professional sword fighting in what appears to be a fairly short space of time.
0: Yeah, it's one song montage, right? Yeah. <laughs> and her mom is a doctor, so she's probably pretty busy. Oh, well, there you go. Maybe mum has
1: got some doctor stuff around the house that she can give herself better treatment and doesn't yeah. have to look as injured.
0: yeah. I guess it's just like I've seen the bandages on, like, her face and her arm. Like, if my kid came home from that Strange Universe boy's house bandaged up, I would be investigating immediately. Yeah. Especially if you're Connie's mom, because she's like that. But, you know, for all the overprotectiveness, you definitely feel like she's she's just kind of showing up and is able to own her own schedule. Like, so either her mom thinks she's somewhere else specifically, or they have an understanding. I don't know. I don't know what it is.
1: Maybe she's telling her it's fencing lessons, because that would be kind of true.
0: I can see her mom being on board for that. But yeah, they just don't really tell us. They just have her showing up. Yeah, I guess there's, I think, li- sorry.
1: I guess there's a little bit of 11-minute show to that.
0: Exactly. But I feel like if Dr. Maheshwaran had one conversation with Pearl about this, she would love Pearl. She would be like, What a fantastic teacher. She will teach you discipline, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Like, she would be on board. Oh, yeah. Maybe maybe what we missed was actually just Pearl giving a spin on it that
1: Dr. Maheshwaran liked.
0: Could be. (laughs) But it could also be just as much that she's scared that her baby can't handle getting into dangerous situations so who knows oh so yeah i liked i really liked how it ended and that even though it's still kind of screwed up because pearl is she she didn't solve her issues in one moment there but she recognized how dedicated they were to each other because she realized they felt that for each other Like it wasn't just one for the other.
1: She didn't solve her issues about Rose, but I think she at least addressed some of her issues with Connie.
0: I think so. Yeah.
1: And from the way she was getting enthusiastic at the end, sounds like Stephen may yet come to regret uh, getting so involved in the training.
0: You know, he used, that was a cool thing. He used the shield and the bubble at the same time. So it seems like he would be more the protective person and Connie would be the offensive person and they would work well together.
1: Well, this is the other thing, which is a gap in Pearl's Pearl's logic that Stephen is possibly literally the best one to protect himself. Maybe not going to win out in every situation, but he is the guy who makes shields and impenetrable bubbles.
0: He's pretty safe.
1: (laughs) So while Connie protecting him, that's great. He's just not lacking in that area at all.
0: Yeah. And then on top of that, he's got the healing powers. At least they're in there somewhere.
1: Yeah, so really he should be brushing up on how to protect Connie if you want to play it that
0: way. Yeah. One little aside is that I did really appreciate that they could they didn't like beat Pearl in a battle. That was nice that, you know, she just kind of they went up against her and then eventually she just had it and she was like, No, enough and she just shoved them both away. Like I always hated when an extremely accomplished warrior with something like Pearl with thousands of years of experience would be beaten by an upstart. You know, they never should be able to beat her.
1: (laughs) Yeah, she was backfooted a bit, I guess, literally considering the craft, but that's perfectly believable, especially because she simply wasn't expecting this to happen. Right, and
0: teaching Connie how to do that.
1: Yeah, but if they'd completely floored her just with the power of friendship or something, it would be no.
0: Yeah.
1: We need more than that. Knocking her back a bit, that's fine, because the situation just changed on her. But yeah, that she showed that she can just take it up a notch and go, enough is enough.
0: Right. (laughs) Calling time out by being like, okay, let's just jump to the part where I bested you. I shoved you to the ground.
1: Yeah, it just just takes her a moment to reset from the Connie sparring level to throw them off.
0: I don't want to forget to talk about the really uh, amusing exchange that happened with Garnet and Amethyst, who were barely in the episode, but when they were, it was pretty memorable. And Garnet got called herself Master of Comedy. Yeah. That was amazing.
1: That was perfect.
0: I really wanted to know what was the funniest thing she ever heard that she just told Amethyst. We'll never know.
1: (laughs) That's the beauty of it.
0: Ah... One Garnet, tell us. She'll never tell us.
1: As is her deadpanning king of comedy.
0: Gosh, she's just so perfect. I'm not sure what was up with that line read where Amethyst was like, why are you staring? they all sad like that. <laughs> and She like hollered it at him. <laughs> I
1: just thought that was Amethyst just having one of her moments.
0: I guess so. So
1: strange. <laughs> I was having fun laughing and now you're being sad. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. What else weird was in this episode that I forgot to talk about? No, oh, it was it was weird that Pearl did this thing when, right after that, when Steven ran to the warp pad to go like stop Connie from doing dangerous things, he came in just as they were starting this exercise, and Pearl said, "Let us begin and pulled this fog in. I guess she summoned this fog, and I don't think we've ever seen her do something like that before, but it's kind of similar to. the weird sand thing she did way back in giant woman but it just seems to be these random weird things she does oh i i thought that was a function of the
1: arena rather than pearl herself
0: might be don't know how much of it is like under her control whether it's sort of like a simulation or whether she just like pulled clouds in
1: yeah well I, i guess this well i was gonna say i guess there's some reason why you go there as opposed to anywhere else but if you have that available to you if you've got a spare mm-hmm. arena. Why wouldn't you go there? Really?
0: Yeah, and it's atmospheric. <laughs> but
1: ah, she's laying them out. She's besting me on these this week.
0: Yeah, I'm not usually that good at puns, so <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna put this down on my calendar as like <laughs> pretty awesome day that I busted them out. <laughs>
1: oh. Busted well.
0: Yeah. Let's see. So do you want to talk about music or do you have anything else content-wise?
1: Go to the music, of which we had two songs this week.
0: Yay. Yeah, the jam song was first. It's called the jam song.
1: Sometimes they're not up all night naming these, are they?
0: No. Maybe the same philosophy goes into naming the songs as naming some of these episodes. I thought it was really cute that they, it was Connie's first singing. That was nice. I thought the duet was cute both of them playing their instruments. And...
1: Gives the double meaning of jam.
0: Yeah, that was really, that was cool too. Thank you for pointing out the pun. <laughs> there was one sort of music nerd thing. I'm not sure if it was super obvious, but like when they were kind of taking their turns singing, a lot of times they were switching roles on their instruments. Like if they were singing, then the other person was, sing- was playing the instruments to do like support for that. So oh, yeah. it was like I noticed that. The, yeah, it's I guess it's pretty common, but both people were playing instruments and both people were singing. So that yeah. was neat.
1: It was like tossing the singing and playing balls back and forth.
0: Yep. And when I was playing when I was learning to play this, I realized it's the same chord progression as the little butler theme song.
1: <laughs> well, if you're onto a winner.
0: <laughs> yeah. An orphan boy with Sass and Pap got dropped off on our mansion staff. Same thing as the opening of the jam song. Pretty funny.
1: Got stu- um, you got stuck in their heads. They just couldn't help it.
0: Yeah, guess so. So, But then Connie, you know, she's never sung on the show before, and then she gets to sing twice in one episode, and she gets to sing a, a duet with Dee Dee Magno Hall, Grace Rolek and Dee Dee. Yeah. That's amazing. It came out well. I liked it. I like that Connie's a competent singer, but, like, it's very, what do you call that, it's modest, you know. She's not trying to wow you with her singing. She's not doing all kinds of trills and stuff. So that's good. Yeah. That's my story. Yeah.
1: And as as ever, we this also just gives us one of those Stephen and Connie messing about, having fun things, which I always like to see.
0: Yeah, it was really cute. Their bond is kind of reinforced by that, and it's always nice to see Connie and see that their relationship is continuing and growing. Music-wise, there was. You know, of course, there's always background music, but most of it was reused stuff. They, I think they put in some stuff from the original time that they fought there, like some of the same music as the Dance of Swords, I think. But I believe there was one new one because I've got the soundtracks now. Ah. <laughs> and uh, I believe there was one new one that was made new for this episode that was called sky arena slash let me do this for you and i thought that was cool and they incorporated some of the like melodic aspects of the background music from when steven and pearl were in the episode rose's scabbard in the really sad scene and the Mm -hmm. instrumental was called i'm still here so they pulled some musical aspects of that and put it into that one and it's just that's really poignant for me is the I'm Still Here song is put into the Sky Arena song.
1: Yeah, and I've certainly noticed a similarity in the actual content, the actual on-screen yeah. happenings.
0: Yeah, and it's always, you know, Pearl's instrument, the piano, it's always put in there with those. It's so versatile that they can use that for so many different Pearl breakdown types. <laughs> so, but that's all I have for music. Any thoughts on those songs?
1: I like the way that the chorus of what I assume is called either Do It For Her or Do It For Him or both Mm -hmm. nicely incorporated Pearl's self-correction as part of the song.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Which also meant the rhyming and rhythm could happen the right way in the right places.
0: It's such an excellent song too. And it's pretty long. tells a whole story in it. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. story-wise lays down
1: where this is going to go with Pearl
0: just sort of slowly starts being more alarming, more toxic as it goes
1: on. <laughs> but yeah, when it starts off, it's a bit, oh, Pearl, focus, but it yeah. it's escalates from there.
0: Yeah, from just sword fighting stances to, you prepared to die?
1: And the whoops I referenced Rose Quartz right through to, you, I'm starting to go into some kind of fugue state where I'm talking to her.
0: Yeah, she makes it very clear that she wants... Connie to project onto Steven the same way that she projected onto Rose. And they're lining that up 100% in this song. It's kind of heartbreaking because it's a, such a beautiful song and it's such a toxic message. It's what her self worth must be like, you know, even after all these years. And one of the lines was just think about the life you'll have together after the war.
1: Yeah, that was one of the most pointed ones. That was when we started to leave reality a bit
0: right presumably they got to the end of the war and they got to have a life together but she's still not like okay (laughs) she's still fighting for her and now she's dead yeah and i don't think it was quite
1: the life together that pearl was hoping for i'm certain she didn't envision all the boyfriends
0: no that really sucks
1: Yeah, and you know when your friend has a baby and they don't have any time for you anymore because they gave up their physical form.
0: Yeah, it just always sucks when that happens. (laughs) Wow. Oh.
1: As as we said, that jam song also gave us some food for this week.
0: I love eating. (laughs) feels weird. You're right.
1: We got some scones and jam.
0: Yeah, so everybody knows that When it comes to Steven Universe recipes, I typically will not just go to the store and buy a thing and put it on a plate and say, look, it's the recipe. I did not make my own jam for this, but I did make my own biscuits. And this was one of my earliest recipes. I think actually I made biscuits and jam as one of the things that I brought to my friend's house when I think we watched Steven Bomb 3 biscuits and jam was so that means it must have been sometime in 2015 or 2016 and that I was already making recipes back then this was an easy go-to for me because I love biscuits and I love bread and I already had a biscuit recipe so I decided to use one of the ones that is kind of on the drier side because if you're going to put jam on it then that's perfect right so so yeah I it's pretty typical other than Maybe having a little less butter, I think, than most. But like most biscuit recipes, it's dry ingredients go together the flour, the sugar, what salt, baking powder, baking soda, I think, and cutting in butter. (laughs) And then I use almond milk, but you can use regular milk or Mm. soy or whatever. And that's like really pretty much it. And my trick for making biscuits work really well to have a natural split in them is after like you usually at this point you're using your hands to mix it up I roll it out with a rolling pin about half of the thickness that I want maybe about half an inch and then I'll fold it back onto itself and not like roll it out too much I'll do the cuts so that it'll have this natural split and that's really it I would this recipe would works really well with, like, they don't spread very much. So you can put them pretty close together on a cookie sheet. And I think it's in Fahrenheit, 375. I put it on. That's what Celsius, 190. Sounds um,
1: about right for my limited recipe converting.
0: I think that's probably what I put in there. And you know, they bake for like 10 minutes. It's really mm. fast. You just cool them on a rack and they're really good they are a little on the dry side if you eat them dry but I think that's partly because I adapted them from a cheddar cheese biscuit recipe way back when and so with no cheese in them they lose a little moisture so but these they're also easy to veganize because you can put vegan butter and vegan you know milk or whatever you can it doesn't have any egg in it which that's when veganizing a recipe gets difficult so yeah so yeah it's really good and I ate them with strawberry jam and yummy Um, there is actually other food though I made the weird green smoothie that I
1: noticed that the the (laughs) protein shake or whatever it was
0: yeah healthy green smoothie I'm not really a smoothie person are you not often no Uh, I don't know what it is about smoothies that I'm not really that into them but I think maybe part of it is that most of the stuff that goes into smoothies Is like berries that have seeds and I don't like seeds to be in smoothies.
1: Yeah, I hear you.
0: But the one that I came up with after like kind of researching what would Steven probably be making, because we don't really know. So I was looking for, okay, what kind of smoothies are like high energy things that you would actually make for someone who is doing intense exercise like Mm. she is. And uh, it recommended like this spinach one I'm like spinach that sounds kind of maybe gross but it was not but I used spinach and I put a couple bananas in the freezer and then the next day they were ready so I cut up a couple bananas and some spinach and I believe I just freezing
1: the bananas do
0: it makes it a better texture after it's blended oh okay because I think otherwise you might have to use ice to make it a better smoothie texture. Otherwise, it might be too mushy. Okay. Um, but bananas do not have the problem that most other fruits do in that there are a bunch of seeds left over. They get stuck in my teeth. Mm-hmm. So but yeah, it's mostly banana and spinach. And I believe that also has almond milk. And there was, let's see, was it flaxseed? I think I might've put flaxseed in it, like a maybe a little spoonful of it and just mix it up in a blender. I have this blender that's hilariously old. It's from the 70s. So, but it can handle the smoothie. Yeah I bought like already ground flaxseed so that there wouldn't be seeds. <laughs> but I use that a lot in like other recipes. When I want to veganize something, I would use flaxseed and water to replace an egg. so now we've come full circle. <laughs> oh, Keep that one in mind. Yeah yeah, the banana, s- spinach, flaxseed and almond milk smoothie does not need any sweetening or anything. It's already pretty sweet and it's really good, even for people like me who don't really drink smoothies that much. Yes. Um, yeah. And just to be a little extra, I did do the little fruit slices and juice packet thing. It just it looks exactly like a Capri Sun. So I bought some Capri Sun and kind of ignored it, set that up, put my little toys of the characters around it, pick, pick, <sighs> pictures, you know, it was fun. <laughs> so, Steven's trying to feed Connie and my recipes have paid homage to that. So, three recipes kind of.
1: Yeah. Three foods, two songs. It's a pretty intense week.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm learning new things all the time. Well, let's hear some factoids. Okay. Did you see who the borders were this time?
1: I caught it, but it, I didn't retain it.
0: Well, we're up to 58 episodes now. I don't expect you to memorize them.
1: <laughs> so who did we like, have this time?
0: Some people. <laughs> so, Jeff Fu and Joe Johnston were the artists on this one. And, oh, I... They're the ones that always seem to get a lot of this action, so it made sense. They also did Steven the Swordfighter, now that I think about it, so they were the logical ones to do this one.
1: Yeah, well, even though my initial reference to Steven being a sworn to the sword was off, this is very much a follow-up episode.
0: Complete with trauma dished out by Hollow Pearl. Yeah. And Pearl herself. The description says, Connie trains with Pearl to be a sword fighter. Yeah,
1: okay. Yep. Yeah, that's what she They'll does. We'll take it.
0: And this was the beginning of Stephen Bomb too. That's a factoid. Ah. But I think I've mentioned it.
1: <laughs> you said we're coming up to it.
0: Yeah. So, so I guess was now episode we're in it. One, and it was a five episodes, five days Stephen Bomb. So it's pretty cool. I think if you've ever seen the book, that Stephen's book about how to talk to people, if you've ever seen the one that it was based on, you would recognize it immediately, but it was clearly How to Win Friends and Influence People. And yeah, I've hard. heard
1: of that one, yeah, which has been variously lauded and debunked many times over the decades.
0: Yeah, as a person who's worked at a bookstore, it's like I was incessantly asked for it. So
1: Yeah, though it's also of a type, even though it is the ur text, as it were there are plenty of self-help books along similar lines yeah yeah well my mother used to just read self-help books like just I make it sound like she's slacking off but no it used to just be like a thing she liked reading and mm-hmm. being a voracious reader as a child I would often read them too so mm-hmm. I've, I don't think I've actually read how to win friends and influence people but I've read books with that girl yeah and of the how to talk to people and be confident
0: yeah I feel like the cover design was very similar too but self-help books do have this sort of flavor to their cover most of the time too, that they look very similar to each other. And I wonder how much of that is to speak to a social context that they're all expecting and how much of it is people literally hoping to be mistaken for each other.
1: (laughs) I suppose by now it might even be, if we're making a book in this genre, this is what people expect it to look like.
0: Mm, Funny. I think I had like a couple more silly things. Like one of the I don't know if this even counts as a factoid so much as me just joking around about it. But I noticed that in her song, Pearl is, she pulls out of her gem, she pulls that bandage for Connie. She pulls that out without that huge production she made the last couple of times, which means that she doesn't have to do it, which means that when she did do it, it was just to be dramatic.
1: Yeah, she's <laughs> just of... being extra.
0: <laughs> oh, Pearl, she's so funny. I mean, unless it was just, oh, she's doing this in the context of a song, she she doesn't have time to just stop singing. Keep your stance wide. (laughs) (laughs) Ah. (laughs) Good impression. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, there were gestures, listeners. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It
1: might be your favorite, but you pretty much nailed doing Pearl.
0: Why, thank you. I do think of the main three slash four, one of them being a boy, voice type wise, definitely more comfortable in Pearl's range. (laughs) You know, the other thing that I had to say was slightly related to the weird martial arts noise I just made, (laughs) which is that Connie's training outfit was based on something like a lot of people said, oh, she's wearing a Dragon Ball Z outfit. But I heard some other people kind of analyzing it and saying that's actually more likely to be this Indian martial arts style. Now, if I could say it, trying to remember what it was called. It's like six syllables, starts with K. Uh, It's something like Kalari Payatu, but I probably said it wrong.
1: Yeah. I don't know it, so I can't correct you or not.
0: Yeah. uh, Just out of curiosity, I mean, this was a long time ago. I just looked for some videos of it and their outfits were so similar to what she's wearing. Mm -hmm. And then the the style was very similar too. Although sometimes they had shields, but mostly it was just people beating the hell of each other with swords and a lot of jumps that were like her jumps. And like the hair even on some of the people who had long hair was banded up like that. So Mm -hmm. the long braid. So I think it's more likely that was the reference rather than, oh, it's Dragon Ball Z because her heritage is Indian. So that would make sense. Yeah. I think that's what they did. But I also have something in my document here that I need to read to you because Ronaldo updated his blog (laughs) the day that this was posted. (laughs) And I got to tell you what he's saying. For months, Keep Beach City Weird has been silent. Silent, but not dead. For I have been toiling away on a super top secret project that will blow the lid off of your perception jar of reality. Tomorrow at 6 p.m., I unleash my masterpiece upon the internet. If I can finish editing it tonight, I'm going (laughs) to need a lot of soda. Poor Ronaldo.
1: I know that. I hear you, Ronaldo.
0: (laughs) I don't do a good Ronaldo impression, but I do my best.
1: Renato's weird that I kind of forget what he sounds like while I'm not actually listening to him.
0: Well, I'm sure he'll be reminded at some point. Like tomorrow at six PM. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm. Well wait, I have loads more probing questions to ask. Ah, I forgot to do a probing question. Oh. Let's go I didn't then. probe you. Probe me. I didn't probe you yet. What should I probe you about? Okay, I actually forgot to talk about this too. We kind of glossed over some aspects of the song, so I'm just going to call this a probing question. So one of the lines that Pearl had in the song, she said to Connie, deep down you know you weren't built for fighting. And that kind of has a new meaning when you know that gems are literally made, I guess, for <laughs> a purpose. So like, if you were to analyze that, what do you think she means by that?
1: I'd say the surface meaning is... Connie, you're not a born warrior, but you're stepping up to the plate to mix some metaphors there. <laughs> but she's addressing herself. We don't know quite exactly how it works, but that if gems are made for a purpose, hers is not battling. And so she's actually coming to the, was probably a big issue for her at the time that you simply should not be just going around fighting if you're not like warrior class, if you're, if you're a this would be defective for a pearl to borrow yeah so it's not just I'm pearl I got to learn to fight It's pearl and I've got to learn to not be a pearl basically I am taking the jump that pearls are not the battle strata
0: which sure don't look like it but yeah Mm -hmm. and
1: the only other one we saw was definitely not a pearl (laughs) so yeah she's saying not only preparing for a life of battle, which is pretty big if she was talking to a human, you're preparing for a life of not doing what you were literally made to do. And for a gem, a pearl, that's pretty big news. That's not just like changing jobs.
0: Yeah, that's, outside your yeah, nature.
1: Yeah, that's completely leaving, well, not just her comfort zone, her supposedly her entire life zone.
0: That's pretty close to how I interpreted it at the time, too you know you hear people talk to you know humans talking to humans about oh you're not built for such and such like you'll hear it if maybe you're a dancer but you're more chunky and all the girls that you dance with are willowy and skinny and then that's not your body type you'll be like oh you're not really built for this you know you'll hear people actually say that about your body but definitely if pearl is saying it is not really about your body (laughs) yeah
1: and i've also heard it for regular humans more a more general, this just isn't a thing I'm suited to, whether be mm. body type, skill, personality, whatever.
0: True. It's true. Yeah. But it definitely has more than the traditional meaning when they're made in a more literal way than we are.
1: Yeah. In fact, she's probably using no metaphor whatsoever.
0: Right. <laughs> and Connie and Pearl are both like... They're more like willowy body types. They don't look strong. Mm. So it kind of fits on both levels there. Like, oh, you might not be a beefy, hearty person, but you can hold your own in a fight if you do what I teach you.
1: And in Connie's case, not sure how much Pearl would know of this, she's really not been brought up to be a warrior. She's brought up to be a student and a tennis player and someone who doesn't watch medical dramas.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So she has, she has a lot of uh, scheduled existence. Like she'll have her studying and she'll have her violin lessons and she'll have her tennis practice and all that stuff. So we know she has at least one athletic aspect, but it's very like, it's definitely one of the, it's not a full contact sport. It's not, you know, it's you know, some people call it a rich person sport. Like it's almost like golf in some ways, but I used to play, but you know, the people who become, professional tennis players like they have their bodies look very athletes bodies to me so
1: yeah and I don't know if Connie's family are rich but I think it's safe to say they're not poor
0: yeah typically especially if one of your parents is a doctor and both parents are working yeah she's probably pretty decent and they got to pay for all those lessons yeah and
1: the house they're not exactly living in a rented apartment or a van no yeah
0: yeah Go check out our merch table.
1: And that brings us, because we did the food, we did the song, that brings us to merchandise.
0: It's just my shirt this time.
1: Ah, that's...
0: Ah, oh yeah, Jam Buds. I've got my Jam Buds shirt. That's so cool. Yeah, I had to take my sweater off to show this to the camera, and it's cute. It's This is technically, like, an official shirt, but it is not, you know, official, like, officially like drawn by one of the artists, obviously. I believe it was in another one of those contests that people submitted designs and this was one of the ones that won. So it's very cute.
1: It is. I love it. I'd wear that.
0: Yeah. So it has Connie and Steven with their instruments and says jam buds and has little strawberries on either side. Uh, Yeah, it's cute as hell. Damn right. And a lot of times I don't end up buying the fan art submission ones, but I have definitely on a few occasions. I just thought, oh, that's really cute, I bought it. I don't know what it is. It's not that I'm like a snob or anything, but just sometimes when things are not quite on model, I'll be less interested in them. So either if they're very on model or they're like really off model, I'll like those more than I will like things that are just close. So. Yeah,
1: well, that one's deliberately different, I'd say. Yeah, it's its own style. weird little painted jam style.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. If you can't tell from the way that I'm yawning, I am definitely very, I'm getting sleepy all of a sudden. Well,
1: as am I having been up till 2 a.m. after Miss Burlesque.
0: (laughs) Just looking up the details of the shirt. Yeah, it was a Hot Topic shirt. That's the store that I got it from. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yep. But I drank coffee earlier and it was decaf and you can tell from yawning. So I guess on that note, anything else we should talk about with Sworn to the Sword? I think we've covered it. We've
1: really gone a long way into Pearl's psyche and a bit of Connie's as well. And
0: this is a big I episode. Seems,
1: yeah. Also, it seems so much bigger because everything we'd watched just previously was only about two minutes long. This was like an epic.
0: That's right. We just watched all the shorts and we watched them boom, boom. So yeah, I was like,
1: uh, oh, I have to summarize actual events.
0: Oh, yeah. Fan reaction wise, you know, being that this is first episode of a Steven bomb, people were really like there was a lot of outcry about how about Pearl over this. Like a lot of people suddenly hated Pearl after this episode because she made Connie feel worthless or not really so much worthless like that she should, you know, we just spent the whole episode talking about it. But uh, suddenly Pearl got all these haters from this episode because of how she treated Connie and put her in danger and stuff. So. I don't know. It's amazing how quickly people can turn on a character. Yep. She's a divisive character, even more than she used to be.
1: Yeah, uh, well, I guess also her button from going zero to 100 when it comes to getting dangerous because she's, she's been pushed into one of her Rose issues. She can go pretty sudden.
0: Yeah, speaking of which, that's how the first Stephen Bomb started too, is a Pearl freaking out about Rose episode. That was Rosa Scabbard started Stephen Bomb 1 oh and that was about a sword too
1: yeah Uh, all that we i don't think we actually saw rose's sword in this one it was all violin bows and training swords apart from the little bit in the title sequence
0: yeah we might have seen it in the flashback but it wasn't the real sword it was a picture of it Mm. Uh, yeah i think you're right but you know i guess that would have just
1: sent pearl even further over the edge yeah if connie had been training with that sword
0: Uh, gosh yeah I don't even want to think about it at this point what do you think are you if we we can assume obviously that steven bombs continue because that became a big format for them but you want to put any virtual fake money that I will never collect on whether the first episode of steven bomb three will be about pearl freaking out about rose also (laughs) wouldn't
1: rule it out pearl freaking out I definitely put money on that because that's just a thing that happens
0: I'll just go ahead and give you the money. <laughs> yeah. But in more...
1: You know, it was like um, it, doing a first season episode where I'd go, oh, I bet this is the one where Stephen loans No lesson whatsoever.
0: <laughs> this, yeah, but uh, Stephen Bomb 3 is a bit distant at this point. And at this point, we're looking at the next episode is 59. So should I share the episode title? Let's hear, let's
1: hear the episode title and see how soundly I can miss the content.
0: Odds are good. Next episode is called Rising Tides, Crashing Skies.
1: Oh, that sounds downright apocalyptic. It but, sure does. But possibly not literally, as we're only a few episodes into the season. That would be a turn to just completely screw over the landscape way into the season and leave everyone to deal with it for the rest of it.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> you are correct. It would be. You never know with this show, do you? So next time we watch Rising Tides, Crashing Skies. See y'all then. you've been listening to Ivy and Daria on not so giant women
1: you can find episodes of the show in video form by looking up not so giant women on youtube
0: or in audio form at anchor.fm slash not so giant women or your podcatcher of choice you can
1: can also also find find us us on on Facebook. facebook audio production by Daria
0: video production and music by Ivy.
1: Daria can also be heard on post the Exploitation podcast
0: and Ivy at her Stephen Universe fan blog at love-takes-work.tumblr.com.
1: Stephen Universe was created by Rebecca Sugar and remains property of Cartoon Network.
0: No infringement is intended. I did.